You know, have you just, uh, have you ever heard somebody say, uh, you know, is this going to be just another prayer meeting? I heard that this, this evening. And, uh, well, if you came here for another prayer meeting, that's not what we're going to have tonight. Is anybody ready for an outpouring? That's what I'm here for, and I've been just hyped up and pumped up about this all week long, ever since I sent out that email. You know, I'm even, I'm even up late at night thinking, wow, wouldn't that be great to get together with the saints and just worship God and pray and then see what happens? Get ready for an outpouring, because that is what God is doing in these days. You know, many have condemned America to an early death, many Christians, but I know for a fact that God's got many people praying. He's got many, many people praying. Even Isaiah said, in the last days a darkness shall cover the earth, a deep darkness cover the people. But our God says, in these last days, he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And I think that's the antidote, that's the inoculation, that's what's going to happen. And it's happening all across the world. That people are, God is pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. And I looked at Acts chapter 4 on the way here today. And I'm not preaching for an hour, and that's not what we're doing here this evening. But I just want to set the tone for tonight. In Acts chapter 4, Peter got together because of things going around on around him things going on, different things. And he said, Lord, look at their threats. There are threats all around us. They're threatening our Ten Commandments. They're threatening morality. The enemy, the devil, is threatening our children. They're making things that are wrong seem right. And that's the darkness that Isaiah talked about that is covering this earth. And then I started hearing the devil saying that more and more and more as we came in, as I was driving in today. He was saying, saying that, that uh, his plan is working deceiving the world. It's making wrong things seem right. And it's coming true is what it says in the last days. But my God cried out louder. Louder than that little roaring lion. And he says, I will pour out all my flesh. Get ready for the outpouring. Get ready for the outpouring. And be to that point where Peter was that he said, Lord, Look at their threats. What can we do? 
They're threatening our, our very lives. They're threatening our very existence. They're threatening our children. They're threatening our cities. Lord, fill us with a boldness that we may pray. And when he said that, when he got to that point where he cried out to God, Lord, Lord, look at their threats. What should we do? The whole place shook. The Bible says the whole place shook. I'm looking for a shaking and an outpouring. I want this place to shake tonight. Shake it with, your, with the voices of triumph. That we have a God that is pouring out His Spirit. Pouring out His Spirit. This is not just another prayer meeting. God is pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. Let us worship Him tonight. Let us worship Him tonight in spirit and in truth. Let the sound of those instruments play. Let them bring you to His throne room. Let Him pick you up from the doldrums of the day. Let the music just lift you up in this place until God sees you face to face at His throne and starts pouring out His Spirit upon us. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Lord, look at their threats. Let us speak with boldness tonight. Let us play with boldness. Let us pray with boldness. Let us come before the throne. Hallelujah. Hello, my friend. This Resurrection Day is the perfect day, for this is the day that the Lord has made. And let us rejoice and be glad in it. Pray that God will renew that spirit within you, and then allow him to renew it. This podcast is provided by Christians who are passionate about reaching out to others, and them, like us, are here to serve and bring the love of God to life in people. Even though things may look dark, even though you may feel there is no hope, even though you cannot trust, even though you have questions, Who is Jesus? Can we trust the Bible? Resurrection Day is prophecy fulfilled. Truly the day the Lord has made. The enemy thought, ha, we've got him. But God had a plan for you. So accept that plan. Accept that sacrifice. Follow Jesus today. Make today the first day, the first day where there is no last, but eternity with Christ Jesus. Yeah, today's discussion, we're going to discuss eyewitnesses. Resurrection Easter. Day special. Well, well see, now, now I know why we're here. So, that's, that's why we're here. Well, I we're mean, here because of the resurrection. That, that's right. That's, uh, I'm good for the day right now. That's it. Yep. I'm here. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Yep. Paul says it's, uh, you know, pass on the tradition of first importance. Mm. And this is what... Um, we're going to do today. So you want to open in prayer? Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time of year and how we can remember your death and resurrection, Mm -hmm. the priceless gift that you gave. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. Thank you for these historical records that we find in the scriptures. Uh, Lord, just making it 
so that we don't have to have a trace of doubt about this. Yes. And Lord, it's foundational to our faith. Lord, I thank you for that. And um, I just uh, am just overwhelmed with how your work on the cross allows us to have a relationship with you. And resurrection to new life is something that you promise us that we have that resurrection to do life and not someday but right now yes thank you lord now be with us and and just use the words that we say for your glory and your honor help us to to do this the right way the way that will be perfectly pleasing to you in jesus name amen 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 thanks don sure i was reading about luke you know, one of the Gospels, of course, in the Bible. What he did, he wanted to uh, create document that can be handed on to the church. Because, I mean, you know, he's hearing uh, stuff from this church, that church, and the mm-hmm. other other churches that, uh, you know, they're, they all got the, the right story, but, you know, a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, you know, you, you uh, if you ask somebody that, the only time they saw anything of Jesus was at the crucifixion. It's going to be a totally different story than somebody right. that saw Jesus from the time of John to the Baptist mm-hmm. throughout the resurrection. Wow. And uh, right. when doing research, you want to get reliable sources. Mm-hmm. What more reliable sources than 12 disciples or 12, 14, 15 people that have been with him since John the Baptist all the way to the resurrection and then get their stories and put them all together. And and that's that's what Luke um, purposed to do. And I think he did a great job of it as the other gospels did. They call those reliable transmissions. You know, when you're trying to pass on a tradition that's reliable ones because they took reliable sources, eyewitnesses, put them all together. In 1 Corinthians, even Paul, who wasn't there at John the Baptist time, but right. I think Paul's an exception there mm-hmm. because uh, the way he, that God came upon him, you know, on the, on the, on the trail that he was walking, Paul in 1 Corinthians 5.13 says he received and he purposes to pass on a tradition of first importance. It's his way of saying there's nothing more important than this gospel, specifically the resurrection appearances. He, along with the uh, other disciples, and that's what they set out to do, to get mm-hmm to spread the gospel, the good news of his resurrection. And there's critics all throughout history. There's people writing books on how it's a fairy tale, how, you know, it's it sounds good, but... <laughs> and uh, Or adding to it or trying to keep an audience sometimes, uh, you know, going off in this direction or that or direction or the other, but... Uh, you know, Paul wants us to keep that focused, you know, the pure gospel. Mm-hmm. 
is, uh, I think, is what he was getting at. I'm just uh, your thoughts. I'm just uh, taking in what you uh, read in in, in right. Corinthians, in what Paul had written, and realizing yeah. what came over me just now, realizing this podcast is probably the most important discussion that we're having because the eyewitness accounts of seeing Jesus that's right the resurrection that's everything I mean I mean I'm getting goosebumps I'm getting right. I feel his spirit saying yes just keep telling them about me all these people told other people about me and that's right. where this ties together and I'm I'm I, I have to take a little deep breath right now because I'm a little overwhelmed. So, Don, do you want to start this? I, I, I'm speechless. Do you want to start <laughs> some of these eyewitness accounts? Because, you know, in the Old Testament, it was like you had to have witnesses. You had to have two witnesses. It was always two witnesses, That's more right. than That's two right. witnesses. And we're talking about countless witnesses. Right. Countless right. witnesses. Countless, countless, countless. So people yeah. out there listening, do you, do you understand that this is so well-documented? It's The Bible is the most well-documented book in the history of the world. In the history That's of right. the world, That's it's right. the most well-documented. So I'm going to yeah. um, um, hand it over to you, Don, just for a minute as I look at some of these that you sent. And just, uh, okay. it doesn't matter where you start with because they're all... <laughs> Uh, this, uh, they're, this they're all true and reliable. I mean, they're true and reliable. And, and uh, I think the uh, early disciples uh, saw to it that, that that would happen because this is the greatest event in the history of, of, mankind. of mankind. I mean, it's it's mm -hmm. it's it draws the line. The the old covenant and and mm -hmm. Jesus himself at the Last Supper stated, this is the new covenant. Starts mm -hmm. right here, mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. You know, let's... Uh, yeah, you know what you're doing, Kevin? You're wrecking me. You're wrecking myself. I'm wrecking myself. I can't... <laughs> I hope, Don, I hope you can have... Because I'm looking at him and I'm uh, hearing this, uh, and the Spirit is just... Uh, I hope people in uh, that are listening can feel the Spirit of God overwhelming us. And overwhelming because... His words bring life. His words change things. The testimonies right. change things. And That's they right. overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Then this is the testimony. This is, this is the testimony that we read about. So, yep. Yep. Wow. The, new, the new testimonium. The new testimonium. That's, uh, wow. yeah. That's in, intellectual talk for uh, the New Testament. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you can tell. Kevin, Kevin's gone. I just, I just Kevin's a little gone here. Yeah, I, I like to use simple words. I hate trying to explain myself. <laughs> what the... So please uh, 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 bring us back to earth. Bring us back we're to in the earth. Spirit. Yeah, let's, we're in the spirit. So let's be help okay. us, Don. Well, as as we look at these different testimonies or testimonials or. Or evidences, um, you want to use that word. I think one thing we really need to address up front, and that is if they are not word for word exactly the same, that doesn't detract from their authority. That's um, right. 
Yes. Yeah, let, authority let me just give you an example. Yeah. Authority um, is the key. In Luke uh, chapter 24, for example, it says, very early that Sunday morning, the women made their way to the tomb. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Jesus Mary, Mother Mary. And then in Mark, it says on the first day of the week, after Sabbath was ending, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jacob, and Salome were on their way to the tomb. And then in Matthew, it says after the Sabbath ended, at the first light of the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to take a look at the tomb. Uh, John, the Gospel of John, very early Sunday morning before sunrise, Mary Magdalene made her way to the tomb, and when she arrived, and so on. Now, these are all a little different um, because there are different people that are listed, and some would say, well, why don't they, why aren't they consistent? Okay, let me give you an example, personal example. A couple days ago, I went to visit my sister. We spent some time uh, cooking. Uh, I go to her house to cook because I don't have a range or an oven. And uh, so we took time uh, there and uh, cooked up a number of meals and so on. Now, I went to my sister's house. Is that true? Yeah, I went to my sister's house. Is it just my sister's house? No, there's several hundred people that live in this retirement facility. So it's not just her house. Did I see anyone else? Yeah. I saw our husband, a distant relative of Kevin's. And so I saw the two of them. Was I lying when I said I saw my sister? No. Was I lying because I overlooked talking about her husband? No. It's just a variation. It's just a different way of saying it. I could have said, uh, I saw two or three people on the way. I could have gone into all kinds of details, um, but it really wasn't necessary. And so the point is, these can vary a little bit. There are actually more women that were going there than what I thought. I think we can just kind of put them together and say, this is still a very credible account. It's just naming different people. And that's what you bump into when you look at something like the scripture. Each writer brings their own personality. They bring something of themselves to the writing. And God blesses that because we now know a lot more about exactly who was there. Um, you simply add up the passages. Does that make sense? Um, yes, yes, it does. Yeah, I was reading about the, the Last Supper in the different Gospels, and there was one version that in Mark, where they said the the twelve and the disciples were the, were present. That's what some scholars say that uh, you know there was twelve that they're talking about, but there was also possibly even up to seventy other people up in that room. Right, the upper oh room. Oh my goodness! So I mean, it's it's just one little phrase, but uh, you know, it it paints a whole maybe larger picture, but but it does not distract from the truth and the purpose of the story. Right, and that's what all of this is like, all the different accounts, just like you were saying, uh, Don. What's important is, is what's the message? What is the content? Right. What is happening? 
what is happening? Right. And they're coming to the tomb, right? And right. he's not there. Right. They're coming to the tomb, and he's not there. They're yep. coming to the tomb, and he's not there. And all he's their reactions, there. he's not there. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. we lose our focus. You know, that's that nitpicking, or that's that. Right. That's just a distraction, yeah. and or, that's just. Or, a, or I don't believe in angels. So it, you know, when the angel told told the people. I do not do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. You know he is not here; he has risen. So yes. he has risen is the point. Yes. You know whether you believe in angels or not it has nothing to do with it. I mean, it should should not. So that's right, right, right. And who are we to say what angels look like? I mean, we have all these paintings through the ages, but how do we know that these painters actually saw? angels well you know yeah jesus refers to him uh when he was when he was being accused he says uh do you think that i cannot appeal to my father in heaven and he will not at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels you know matthew 26 53 mm -hmm. and which which brings to my mind what must the angels have thought as they witnessed his death on the cross you know as mm. they as they stop it we're losing yeah. it again don yep. we're I mean, losing it you know they're they're accustomed to you know worshiping and hailing you know the yeah. king of kings Jesus. and the lord of lords and they come hail king of the jews and put a thorns of crown, crown of thorns that just that just hit me. That just hit me, Kevin, oh. because I hadn't, I had never thought about it that way, about the angels. Because when you were talking about mm -hmm. angels, I remember the four or five days before my wife died. Yes. And she was yep. go, going in, she was going in and out of heaven. I'll, I'll never forget that because she would, she would say, she says, look, can't you see? And she put her hand up, her finger up in the air and say, See the angels. Can you see them? Can't you see That's them? Right. And That's then right. she then she said she spoke to our daughter's guardian angel. And I was just I'm I'm gonna cry. I just was reminded of that. Because wow. um, you know, we're always concerned about our children. You know, we're always concerned about our children. And I remember um uh the angel the the, the guardian angel saying, Don't worry, I'm protecting her. That's right. I'm protecting her. And that was... And they were ready to protect Christ. I mean, just... Yeah, they... I mean, can you imagine? They're just waiting for the word. I mean... Oh, boy. How that would have changed history. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm. But it was not uh, the will of God. Yeah. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, Mark ten forty five. But when you put these accounts together, it just is an amazing uh, story. It's just an amazing account. But the detail is what makes it so credible. It, it's just amazing. Uh, it says in Luke, there were two men appearing in dazzling white robes shining like lightning mm. that kind of detail shows you you know someone was paying very close attention 
That's and right. they were getting the facts down in great detail. And then it says that the women fell down on the ground on their faces. Again, incredible detail that is going into this. Each one of them talks about the stone being rolled away. And I remember reading about how many hundreds of pounds, or was it thousands of pounds that this yeah, stone I, I weighed? Believe, I believe there are thousands that are used to keep... Uh... On, on some of their uh, fortresses, even, to keep the enemy out. Yeah. And in this case, secular world back then wanted to keep uh, Jesus in. Yeah. And then in the Ma book of Matthew, you have lightning flashing around them. And the guards are stunned and terrified, and they cannot even move. Uh, just amazing detail. And it just shows this is not something that happens every day. This was unique. This was distinct. It was a big deal. <laughs> and we know that theologically, we know that personally, but the story tells it. Uh, and I'm so grateful we had four different accounts because it brings in much more detail. And the women are breathless and terrified than you have this young man sitting on the right dressed in a white robe. And then it, then it says, but the angel said to them. So it kind of lets you imagine for a moment, oh, who is this young man? And mm -hmm. then the message is, well, it's an angel. It is uh, a unique creature uh, that God has sent. And again, there's just all these details that, lend credibility because if it was just something someone made up they might put in some details but the details would be so contradictory with four different accounts uh that you would you wouldn't be able to see it as the same story hardly and here you've got the same story with different details but it's the same heart of the story um I love it. I they, love it. Paul says, you know, he received it from the Jerusalem apostles, you know, in Galatians 1, 18, 19. You know, he, Paul spent two weeks with Peter and James writing down their their accounts. Yeah, I was reading mm -hmm. along another, uh, reading about Paul also. I'm reading in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm going to start with 1. Dear friends, let me give you clearly the heart of the gospel that I preach to you, the good news that you have heartily received and on which you stand. For it is through the revelation of the gospel that you are being saved. If you fasten your life firmly to the message I've taught you, unless you have believed in vain, for I have shared with you what I have received and what is of utmost importance. The Messiah died right. for our sins, fulfilling the pro prophecies of the scriptures. He was buried in a tomb and was raised from the dead after three days, as foretold in the scriptures. Yeah, there you go. Then he appeared to Peter the Rock and to the twelve apostles. Verse 6, verse, verse six says of 15, He also appeared to more than 500 of his followers at the same time, Right. most right. of whom are still alive as I write this. Though a few have passed away, 
Then he appeared to Jacob and to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared in front of me like one, like one born prematurely ripped from the tomb. Yes, I am the most insignificant of all the apostles, unworthy even to be called an apostle. Then we get down to verse 12. It says, this is in uh, uh, chapter 15, the message we preach is Christ who has been raised from the dead. So how could any of you possibly say there is no resurrection of the dead? That's right. For if there is no such thing as a resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, all of our preaching has been for nothing, and your faith is useless. Moreover, if the dead are not raised, that would mean that we are false witnesses. Here we go again, witnesses, who are misrepresenting God. And that would mean that we have preached a lie, stating that God raised him from the dead, if in reality he didn't. If the dead aren't raised up, that would mean that Christ has not been raised up either. And if Christ is not alive, you are still lost in your sins and your faith is a fantasy. It would also mean that those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply perished. The only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth. We deserve to be pitied more than all others. 500 witnesses all at the same time. All at the same time. All at the same time. And living witnesses. Yeah. I mean, obviously... Living, that's what he says. Living. I mean, obviously, when he went to visit Peter and James, I mean, they they were living. And uh, many of those 500 were still living as well, you know, people that he talked to. Living eyewitnesses. Giving us the living word that we have today. Right. And you think about in a court of law, how many witnesses? How many eyewitnesses do you need? That's why... That's why this podcast is so important, because we're giving eyewitness accounts. Eyewitness news. Yep. There you go. To me, it's the number one essential of the faith. Um, Yes. There are many essentials for the faith, but without the resurrection, hey, we might as well just pack it up and go home. Paul made the case. Paul made it so clearly right right there in that passage that you read. our faith is worth nothing if this isn't true. But we know it's true because there's so much evidence here. And that's where Christianity is different from any other religion. Because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And even in these accounts, there are statements that suggest that those involved are checking it out. Mm-hmm. Um, in John chapter 20 and verse 3 it says then peter and the other disciples jumped up and ran to the tomb to go see for themselves that's right they weren't depending upon second-hand information from the very beginning they weren't depending upon second-hand information and then you can talk about thomas you know doubting thomas unless i see him unless i put my hands that's right through that piercing i won't believe and, yep. that, and that's where that's where our faith faith comes in. Yes, because uh, we believe yet we have not seen personally, but ex- we've experienced the living presence of our Lord and Savior. If I recall correctly, Jesus said there is a special blessing for those that have not seen 
exactly here. I'm going to read that passage that you're That's referring right. to. Uh, That's right. And it's in John 20, uh, and we start in verse 24. I just love this. This is just, I'm... One of the twelve wasn't present when Jesus appeared to them. It was Thomas, whose nickname was the twin. So the disciples informed him, we have seen the Lord with our own eyes. I think that's an eyewitness. That's right. Still unconvinced. There we go. Still unconvinced. Thomas replied, there's no way I'm going to believe with this unless I personally see the wounds of the nails in his hands, touch them with my finger and put my hand into the wound of his side where he was pierced. Then eight days later, then eight days later, Thomas and all the disciples were in the house together, and even though all the doors were locked, Jesus suddenly manifested suddenly. before them. Suddenly. And what's the first thing Another he said? Another suddenly. Peace be to you. It's the first thing. It's like, That's right. Don't be anxious. Don't be upset. Suddenly peace overcame them. Then looking into Thomas's eyes, he said, Put your finger here in the wounds of my hands. Wow. Here, put your hand into my wounded side and see for yourself, Thomas. Don't give in to your doubts any longer. Just believe. Then the words spilled out of his heart, You are my Lord and you are my God. Jesus responded, Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe. But there are those who have never seen me with their eyes but have believed in me with all their hearts, and they will be blessed even more. Just imagine uh, the, the accounts of the crucifixion um, said he was beat and whipped, you know, beyond recognition. You know, at that time when he came in to visit Thomas and the, the rest of them, God allowed those wounds to, to remain. Um, just, just, just for another eyewitness, to be able to touch them and communicate his story. I mean, just think of that visual. I mean, it's getting to me again, thinking that visual. Right. As you were saying, because he let them see him as he was at the crucifixion, or that, you know, the the nails and that. Because he was beaten badly, so badly before that, all the stripes that he took and all that, so he was beyond recognition before he even was up on the cross. That's right. Wow. Wow. You know, it's interesting that Thomas is not described as actually checking those things out. Uh, I think he was just so overwhelmed. There is Jesus. There are the wounds. There are all of the things that I was talking about and all he can say is, you are my Lord and yes. my God. That's right. That's all you can say. I'm also struck with the humanity of these disciples. Um, you know, Jesus has appeared to the group, groups of disciples. And Peter at one point says, I'm going fishing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm out of here. I can't take this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Somehow that adds a huge dose of reality. Yes. You know, I just can't deal with this anymore. I need to go fishing. 
that's not if I was writing a story that I was trying to impress people was so phenomenal, I don't think I'd put that in there. No. But it's there because it's true, because it's accurate. It's it's showing how very carefully these writers of the Gospels have been in getting the details, even when they're not especially flattering uh, to to people. Um, yeah, it shows their wow. humanity in us. I like that, too, you know, they were all gathered in a room. All the doors were locked. You know, you, you look at those yeah. details. All the doors were locked. That's right. So he manifested, you know, he went through doors, or he manifested himself there. And what's the first thing he says suddenly after he appears? Peace, Peace be with you. That's right. And that's... That's a key truth that we need to hang on to and experience and I realize. Need, I need to live in. Live in I mean, peace because there is no peace. Just as we started this podcast, our, our door is closed here mm-hmm. to keep other sound out. But, but uh, then suddenly we just felt that peace enter the room. Mm-hmm. As Don, I'm sure feels that peace down in Florida at this moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He brings peace. He is peace. You know, I think of my acronym that I had for peace. Peace, every people everywhere accept Christ's example because he is peace. Peace. Another phrase that struck me, and I wish I could give you chapter and verse, but it was earlier in John where it says everything will change. That was Mm. Jesus speaking. Everything will change. And he doesn't go into any detail, but we sure have it here in these, in these accounts. He's walking through walls. He is, um, appearing and disappearing with that, with locked doors that's right. Everything will change. And that's just the beginning. Everything will change in terms of our lives when we trust Christ because of the crucifixion and resurrection. Everything will change. I love that phrase. I wish I could find it. We're not alone. That's that's the best part. That's right. That's the best yeah. part. We're not alone. You know, because I spent my life rejected and... and uh, uh, not feeling uh, loved or not being a, feeling a part of things as a, as a child growing up. But I'm never alone now. I am always, he is with me, he's in me. He raised from the dead. And he's alive. That's right. He's yes. alive. He's alive. I could just keep saying that. He's alive. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God, that you raised him from the dead. We're not looking for for uh, you know a statement of faith or this or that that we can all repeat all the time. But yeah, tell these, me your doctrine. The, these guys um, just painted a three dimensional picture in our minds, four dimensional. You know, mm-hmm. uh, add the spiritual in there. I think that's the dimension we forget a lot of times. Yes, and uh, just put that four dimensional picture into our hearts that. Uh, through the Gospels, the four different people um, writing down the same experiences. That's right. 
And then you have the personal reactions of the disciples, uh, like in Luke 24, uh, verse 41. Uh, Jesus has just shown them his hands and feet. And the disciple, it says, the disciples were ecstatic, yet dumbfounded. You can really picture that. They are excited, and yet they are speechless. Right. And they're unable to fully comprehend it. And then knowing that they were still wondering if he was real, Jesus says, here, let me show you. Give me something to eat. Give me something to (laughs) eat. Give me something to eat. I'm going to show you I can eat. It's not just an imagination here. That's right. And it says, they gave him broiled fish and some honeycomb, and they watched him eat. Again, I am... I am so impressed with the detail here. Uh, you know, the uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, "Is the it's the Lord?" And when Peter heard this, say, heard him say that, he quickly wrapped his outer garment around him because he was athletic, and he dove right into the lake to go to Jesus. Mm, right. And the other disciples then brought the boat to shore, dragging their catch of fish. They weren't far from the land, only about a hundred meters. And when they got to the shore, they noticed a charcoal fire. Get the detail here. Mm-hmm. They noticed a charcoal fire with some roasted fish and bread. And then Jesus said, "Bring some of the fish that you caught." <laughs> That's right. Where, I mean, it's, where did you get that fish? Yeah, you know? let's make the shore lunch. Let's get this going. And again, the detail continues in the next verse. Peter waded into the water, helped pull the net to shore, and it was full of many large fish, exactly 153. Wow. Okay, they're counting individual fish here because they want the details. They want it to be credible. Plus, they're merchants. Go ahead. uh, That's what they They're merchants, and every fish counts. I mean, every fish counts. 153 sounds like a lot of fish. Yeah. That's a pretty right. good catch. Yep. Wow. And Jesus says, let's have some breakfast. <laughs> yep. Yep. We've got plenty of breakfast here. <laughs> Wanted to have uh, communion together, us three at this time. And uh, Don, do you have some uh, bread and water <laughs> or elements, they call them? Where do you find the, yeah. the element store? I'm going to have to go get some. Hang on. That's right. I mean, you go ahead and talk, and I'll be right back. Sure. Yeah, that's traditionally uh, where to go for those is just go to the refrigerator, see what's in there, because they were uh, they were just having a meal together. Yeah, I like what's uh, been shared. The church I'm going to at times, or what's been shared, it's like the communion table is the equalizer. Everyone comes. That's it doesn't right. matter what... Where they fit into society, everyone comes to the table equally before God in saying, I need to remember. need to remember, right? Remember your body broken for me and your blood shed for me. Mark 14, 22 through 26, because this this is what I learned from a Lutheran monk. You know, all the different communion talks we've heard, uh, this, is, this is the one that really, to me, 
hits home and, and also goes right along with what we've been talking and preaching here. He said communion is a covenant. And if, if uh, you read in Mark 14, 22 through 26, uh, the covenant goes like this. First he names the witnesses. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these, sitting around Christ. The first Simon who called who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, sometimes called Nathaniel, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, James the younger, and also called James the younger, and Thaddeus, Judas, son of James, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Now because of this covenant between God and his people, you can now add your name to this list of those who covenant with the Father and the Son and commemorate the event in remembrance of what he has done for us. As we were eating Jesus, or as they were eating, and as we are eating now, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. Thank you. He said to them, receive this, this is my body. Then taking the cup of wine and giving thanks to the Father, he declared the new covenant with them. And as each one drank from the cup, he said to them, This is my blood, which seals the new covenant. Pour it out for many. I tell you the truth. I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day comes when we drink it together in the kingdom feast of my father. <clears throat> and then they sang a psalm and afterwards left for the Mount of Olives to pray.